I'm Melissa Mitchell, and this is the Wonderment Warrior Podcast, the show where you will learn how to build a sustainable online business, become the successful business warrior you were meant to be, and have a little fun along the way. Each week, I'll be sharing actionable strategies as well as inspiring interviews to help you grow in your marketing and branding. Now, let's get started. for joining me here on the Wanderman Warrior podcast. I'm so excited to have you and hear more about your journey in business and, and a little bit more about what you do. Introduce you to everyone here on the podcast. Joe Evans is the founder of Female Online Entrepreneurs and the host of the Female Entrepreneurs Club podcast and the host of the Leads to Sales Summit. So she's got a lot going on. Uh, she is a sales and business coach who has sold millions of dollars worth of products and property. And she helps female entrepreneurs who are hungry for success discover their passion for sales so they can make a difference in someone else's life while at the same time in growing their own business, meaning they can have freedom, adventure, and lifestyle they deserve, which is amazing. So tell us a little bit more about your business here. Yeah, thank you. Like I said, it's great to be here. This is such an honor. So yes, as you know, uh, Melissa, obviously you mentioned there some of the hosts, so I do a lot of hosting as well. So the host of my own podcast, and I've just done a lease to sales summit. And the reason I've done that again, this ties in with business, is because being a sales and business coach, I help female entrepreneurs with able to sell, with able to convert, because that's my background. My background's all from sales, from having my own real estate business. But part of the puzzle there, working with lots of other female entrepreneurs, is we need, as, as entrepreneurs, there's all different skills we need. As you know, we need to be able to attract clients. We need to understand email. We need to understand all these different parts of things. So I help with that little puzzle there, that little bit to be able to convert those leads. How can we do that in a way where we can love selling? So that's kind of like my thing here. It's to, it's to help people with that, that little piece there, to be able to love selling and be passionate about it. So I think with a lot of females, we have a lot of trouble with that. We struggle with that selling part, especially if we're starting out and we want to make a difference. We've got heart-centered businesses or you want to be a coach or you are a coach. And then you've got to start selling your products. And for a lot of females, that's quite a difficult, you know, it's quite a difficult transition to go and for want to help, but I've got to sell because how a lot of people feel about, you know, sales, they think it can be sleazy. So I help with that part there. So I got into this again, I mentioned there about through real estate because I help sell property abroad. So that was kind of my into this, if you see what I mean. But I didn't start that way. I didn't start off with that. I know I've mentioned to you, Melissa, because we know each other. I started off years ago as a professional photographer. Mm-hmm. That was my background from years, but I'm 48 now. So I've had loads of different careers, lots of different careers there. But my first introduction with sales was that in the photography. So I studied then in the 90s to be an advertising photographer. And that's what we called ourselves then. It was advertising because, you know, we weren't online. There was no digital cameras, nothing like that. We were all just, at the time, we worked with advertising studios. We got briefs and then we created these, you know, these amazing studio sets. And then they'd end up in magazines and on billboards. So that was my first kind of introduction to sales was from the aspect of creating those designs. But we still had to understand sales. So, yes, yeah, so that's the start of it. That's not the full story, but that's kind of the start of it. Awesome. Well, you have a lot of background, like you said, which is probably interesting to a lot of our viewers or our listeners on the podcast, because I think I've, I've talked to a lot of people who say that they're multi-passionate and they feel like they've been through a lot of different careers or they've tried a lot of different things with their businesses. So maybe you feel the same way. Do you have advice for our listeners and our and people watching on the, on YouTube here that, you know, what it was like to transfer from all those different pieces to now where you are as a sales coach. 
yeah I you know I think my advice there is to just go with it go with what happens in life because things happen in life don't they and I think we're at the point now I mean I tell this story my granddad he joined us 16 as a carpenter and he was a carpenter and then World War II happened he went away called up to be a marine but he was still a carpenter there he wanted his skills and then he came back and he was still a carpenter and then in his 50s, he retired as a master carpenter and he had that one career. And that's all he did for the same company other than the bit with the war where they still wanted that skill from him. Now, I think now the way we are now, certainly because I'm in the UK, we go now from where we start our career and we might not retire till our 70s. And we're not at that point now where we're not going to have that one career, you know, that golden handshake where you start at 16 as an apprentice and you finish at 60 or 70, yeah. you know, now we're able to have different careers. And I think now that we have this, you know, online and we can sell online with what's happened in the world with COVID, we're able to move online and start selling products online and growing our businesses. And I think, you know, we need to give our permission, ourselves permission for that. Now, if you trained at something at 16 or 18 or 21, and then you thought 10 years later, I want to do something else. Well, that's okay. Because you can bring those skills you have, because that's what I've been able to do. Bring all these different skills and start something new. Mm-hmm. And just think about that, that you've learned something, that you've learned something new. And every time you transition, you're bringing those skills with you. It's something new. And so you're never starting from scratch. You've already got some experience and you're probably able to turn around and help those other people who yeah. may be a little, you know, a little bit behind you. So for me, it's about embracing those skills that I've and I see this for myself. I had this career, my other career, which we haven't spoke about yet from um, obviously from when I did the advertising photography. I was a police officer in the UK. And that was the career that when I was younger, I was wanted to do. You know, if somebody had asked you, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? That was the one for me because I always felt like I wanted to serve. Yeah. And you wanted to help people. There was always this calling to help people. I was also very creative as well. And the police force I wanted to join in England, you had to be 21. So I couldn't get in anyway. So I kind of went to college and obviously having done, you know, studied photography for four years. I did that for so many years. But that calling, this pull to serve, that was still there for me. It never went away. So I was like, when this opportunity came up, I was like, I have to go for it. I have to follow my heart. So that's what I mean about those transitions. There might be something that you're passionate about, like me with photography and art. But then there's these other things. And for me, it was like I had to follow my heart, that calling to serve. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. That is so different. Police officer, photographer, sales coach. You did real estate like you're all over. I love it. So much experience and so many stories I'm sure that you could tell. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to because, you know, I'm I feel like I'm multi-passionate. I'm sure every single person listening and watching is multi-passionate as well. So it's always nice to hear that, like you said, it's okay to want to try different things and it's okay to be in one season of life and, and love it. And then decide, you know what, I'm going to take these skills and change it and try something else with my career. Because like you said, I think lots of times as women, we, we feel like we can't, and we have to be stuck where we are and we have to pursue that career until, like you said, we're 16 or ready to retire, but that's just not the case anymore. And so, you know, anyone listening or watching, this is your permission. We're giving you permission to be multi-passionate and enjoy what you do and try new things. Because like you said, every skill that you do or you build, you can bring to the next portion of your life next season. So I love that. Thank you. And in all of that experience that you had doing all those different things, did you feel that there was sales skills being built in each transition to get you where you are? 
Yes, like I said, starting with the, you know, the photography for me, that was kind of like the behind the scenes that was putting those things together. But it was still sales because we did advertising and we worked there with those different ad agencies. But back in the 90s, because we didn't have the Internet, you know, somebody had faxes and a machine would go. We would create something from there. So I had that sales understanding on how you put an advert together, how it sells, because we had to understand that from from the technical aspect, how we were creating it so that it would then sell. So there was always that. And then for me, then with the police, because I'm in the UK, the main the main way we police in the UK is by consent and it's communication. It's how we talk to people and how we can, you know, there's some dreadful situations going on. We've got to go in and get people calm and be able to deal with them in these dreadful situations and then say, and by the way, there's a legal process here. This, I know this horrible thing's happened, but you're going to have to come with me while we follow this. You know, and you're dealing with those emotions and people are in emotional states. So we learned how to manage those emotions and how to build rapport quickly. Because as I said, you know, in the UK, we basically have uh, handcuffs and a baton. And in my time in the police, I was in there for six years. I never used my baton once because I was able to talk to people and calm yeah. situations down. So I learned the communication there. And then what happened with me in the police is I got an injury on duty. Now, I, as I said, I imagine that would probably be the career, if you'd asked me when I was younger, that I would have had. And then when I broke my leg on duty, I broke it in three places. That ended my wow. career. So, yes, <laughs> no, so that's how I ended up, obviously, in real estate. So that broke, you know, broke my leg. That finished my career for me. And I was early 30s then. And at the time, I told that story about my granddad. I thought that's where I would be. I would stay in the police. And the, after a 30-year um, career in the police, certainly in the UK, you can then retire at 55. So I thought I'll retire at 55 and I'll go and live abroad. I'm going to have this adventure, this lifestyle. And then when that career ended, that's when I thought, well, I was going to do that when I was 55. I don't want to do it early 30s, which yeah. is what I decided to do. So I sold up, that went through that, ended the police, which for me at the time was incredibly devastating. But the police were great sure. about that. They kind of helped me with some counselling and moving on and say, you know, 98% of the people here, they're not in the police. That's OK. You can move on, which is why I was saying it's OK to end a career and move something and move on and do other things. So mm -hmm. I ended up moving abroad. <laughs> so I sold up everything where I was in the UK. and thought, I'm going to do this anyway. And at the time, I used a, um, a, a move to Bulgaria. This was in the early 2000s here. At the time, it wasn't in the EU. So it just come out. It was um, kind of developing country. Hadn't joined the EU. It did in 2007, which if you don't know about the EU, it gives you all these memberships, you know, within this country. And you can, you can freely move there. But when I bought there, you couldn't. You had to have a visa. So I made it more difficult oh, for right. myself. And when I moved there, the real estate agent that I used... I thought I was getting an expert, somebody who was there who's going to help me move abroad. But obviously, because they never moved abroad, they never come from my country. And it's a different language. It's a different alphabet. And when I got there, I realized then that the things they told me weren't quite true. They didn't tell me how expensive it was going to be, you know, or how difficult it was. And I was in this town and I had this lovely house by the sea. But it was like there wasn't many English people there. I couldn't speak. I was running out of money. And I ended up feeling like I was a real failure because I thought, I've moved over here. I don't have any money. I had to ask my dad to send me some money. And I mean, early 30s, I haven't been a police officer. And having had all these careers, I was like, this doesn't feel good. I've got to sort this out. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to feel like a failure when you've told everybody you've moved abroad. So it's the last thing I wanted. And I managed to get some help over there from some Bulgarians. And it was them who had some property. And I sorted everything out. And they were like, would you help sell that? And I was like, actually, I would, because I understand what that's like. I thought I was using an expert. But actually, they didn't understand what it was like for me to move into a foreign country for a language you didn't speak, an alphabet that you couldn't read, not honest about what the prices were, and perhaps because they didn't understand what it was going to cost me. 
Yeah. And I knew there were other people who wanted to move abroad as well. So I was able to help them. So for me, it was like, well, I have all these skills. I've just had this whole journey. I've solved all these problems. I can help other people, which is what I did. So I started with that thinking, well, I know people want the dream. They want that house. They want that swimming pool. The people like I wanted to retire there. I thought I'd do it older, but that injury happened. And then I ended up helping them. And that's how I started with the with the real estate business and set that up. And then that grew and had lots of different offices and then offered all these other services for people. But it wasn't though I went with that idea. It was just that, that actually I could still help people. Mm-hmm. And I always say that sales saved me because I lost that career in the police was that calling to serve. But then with sales, I finally got that back. I finally found that purpose because I was helping people again. And that's why for me, I love sales because it really is about giving people that dream. Because I know if someone wants to retire abroad, maybe they've lived all their life, they think, that's my dream. And then when that doesn't go the way you want, and maybe you've put all your money in, you've left your family, to then feel like a failure, it's like, I could help that. So it felt amazing helping people get that dream because that was where I wanted. So for me, sales is that. It's getting, it's helping people achieve the things that they want. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And that's such a good mindset to have around sales because like you mentioned a little bit earlier, a lot of people feel that sales can be sleazy or they they're scared to talk about their business or, and sell it because they don't want to come across pushy and all that. And I've definitely had that mindset before when I first started my business and, and to switch your mindset into coming from that place of serving, like you talked about and how you said you found that joy again by helping people. Really, all of our businesses are helping people, right? We're all helping, whether you're a product-based business, a service-based business, we're all helping our ideal clients with a problem, solving something. So if you can kind of come at sales from that point of view, it now becomes fun, right? Because you're you're helping someone, which is amazing. I love that that's where you came from with your career change is that I want to help people. And then that was the trans the, the kind of the move into that. I love that. So yeah, what would, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just saying it for me, everything you've just said there, you know, I completely agree with Melissa. It's that making that difference and it's feeling that and it's feeling that passion for it. And I think once you start helping people, you know, if somebody was there and they, and they do feel sleazy about that. And a lot of that you've said as well, you felt it. I know it's, it's a very common feeling to feel that when it comes to sales. And I think a lot of that is to do with the media and how sales are portrayed and our own upbringing and our own experiences. You know, the experience I had, you could have easily come away from that and thought, God, that's awful. You know, I can't trust people. But really, if you think, well, actually, maybe they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't do it. And I don't know anybody else's motivation. I just know I can take my own from that. I know that you can help. And once you start helping people and you start to feel good about that because they start getting the results that they want. Yeah. But a lot of that is to do with the, that mindset that we have. And it's probably our own upbringing. The media shows us as sleazy. Do you know what I mean? These salespeople, oh, everything's really sleazy. And we see those images and they yeah. make a difference to us. And I think as women as well, you know, obviously I'm talking about this applies to everybody, not just female entrepreneurs. But for me, that's the calling I have to serve because I know female entrepreneurs struggle with that. And one of the things you know, some of the figures suggest that female entrepreneurs don't do as successful because we don't sell ourselves as well. We don't have that confidence. And that's the kind of thing that I bring that having been in the police where they train you to be confident, they train you to go into situations where everybody's running out, you have to run in. And I remember my training, that was one of the things they said. So having that confidence, that's something I can bring to other people and to help the females with that. So for me, when I talk about that, it's just that that's who I'm called to serve because with my sales experience and obviously with my experience in the police and having that confidence, those are the skills I can help other people with. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I love that. And what would you say if, if you know, if to all the female entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs, male entrepreneurs listening and watching, what would you say to them if they have the mindset that sales is sleazy? Is there tips that you have to kind of overcome that and get themselves in the right frame of mind? Yeah, I think the first thing, as you've said there, is just acknowledging that. The first step with anything, it's that being self-aware. Mm-hmm. When you realize, you know, to look at what results you're getting and how do you feel about money? This is the first thing with that. If you're looking and you've not been maybe as success, successful as you wanted to be, what are your thoughts on that? And what I usually ask some of my clients to do is to get a journal and to write down, how do you think about money? When you think about it, what are your thoughts on that? And you might hear, you know, things from your family you've heard and the beliefs there. Now, one of the ones that I had, I'll happily share this one with you, is when growing up, my mum had this attitude, although she was incredibly encouraging, but she was given this attitude that there's them and us, those who had money and those who don't. Now, this comes from, I'll tell you, you know, the story here. My little, we call her little Nana because she was about four foot. My little Nana, she lived till she was 107. She was born in eight. Yeah, she did amazing. But she was born in 1889. And in the UK, when she was 13, she went what they called in service. Now, we have over here the stately homes. And she was the eldest of seven children. She'd lost her mum and she went into service, which means she became um, the lowest of the lowest scully maid in a, a really fancy house in the stately homes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there, there was upstairs, downstairs. I mean, there's lots of TV shows now about this. So she started her career downstairs as the lowest of the lowest of maid with hardly any money. So she had this attitude. They have the money who I'm serving, which basically she was then serving in the house. And we don't. So that attitude continued to then she gave that to my grand, which was my mum's mum. And then my mum, if if she would say it now, they would be, oh, them and us. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed, you know, years ago before I spoke this, that actually them and us. That affected me because if if you don't think you have money and there's a them, it's very difficult for you to believe that's possible for you, for you to allow money to happen, for you to grow because you're told you're you and there's them. So that's the first one. And that was one of the ones for me that and I recognized in myself. And I was like, hold on. And I realized where that would come from. And that was something, again, no one intentional was doing. But there's usually a reason where those money blocks have come from and those thoughts. And that was one, again, told you that history of that from my family. And it makes sense that my family would have had that belief. Yeah. So, so, you know, this is what I'm saying. If you or any of your listeners had those beliefs, it's probably that nobody intentionally was giving them to you, but maybe they had them as well. Like my mum was brought up with that and her mum was brought up with that and her mum, because she worked in a stately home and there was a them and us. You yeah. know, you watch downtown Abbey now, there is a them and us upstairs, yeah. downstairs. So there's, the, you know, so those are there, but those come down through generations. And I think they affect us in ways that we don't realise. We don't realise because we might think now, well, you know, you know, it's 2021, it's not 1889 anymore. It's not 1903. But those beliefs have come down those years and it's what's said in your family. And when yeah. you can identify that, like I did, it's like, hold on, that isn't true anymore. That's that's affecting me right now. And I was able to work through that. So that would be my advice is to maybe, you know, for a week, write down, what do you think about money? Do you think money's the root of all evil? You know, is it them and us? Does success and money happen to other people, not you? Because I had one client who, you know, she's hit seven figures now, but she couldn't. And when I spoke to her, she was like, well, success, that's something that happens to others. Yeah. And it was like, well, there we go. If it's happened to something others, you're never going to invite it to you. Yeah. So, to, so part of my job as well, um, obviously, as a high performance coach as well, because I did the training and on, I'm a trained the trainer as well, as I said here, I like a right Phoenix here on all these different careers. And it's helping people realize that. 
that it's not just that can I get the sale that that's the end part of it converting that sale but if you don't believe that you can earn that amount of money or you deserve that type of money or success happens to others not you then you're never going to get those sales because you'll be blocking yourself so that's my advice to find a ways write down and start noticing what things you'll say you might hear it in your family you might have heard it as a child if you've what sayings have you had and have you then repeated yeah then that's the first step to then dealing with those yeah I love that I think that what you said there about deserving the money I think that's a big one I hear a lot of clients say well I like you said, I don't deserve the success or I can't charge that because I'm not worth it. Right. I hear that a lot too, especially when it comes to getting on video, I'm not good enough to get on video. I'm not smart enough, not good looking enough. I don't speak well enough. Right. There's all that, that deserving factor. And that comes into sales too. And it comes across in sales. I think as well as that, that people on the other end of our sales calls can feel that we don't feel we're deserving. Right. And so it's, I think it, you're right. It does start with that mindset and that self-awareness. So journaling is a very powerful, powerful thing for sure. For sure. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that tip with us with when it comes to sales in general, what would you say is like the biggest thing that people need to know to be successful in sales? I think the biggest thing I want to share again, another story here is, as you know, I'm the host of a um, Leads to Sales Summit where I've just interviewed, you know, 20 odd experts on how to get leads and convert those sales. And one of those that I spoke to was Brett Figueroa. Now, if you don't know Brett, Brett was Mm -hmm. the number one salesman for Tony Robbins. He broke all records working with Tony Robbins, selling Tony Robbins seminars, and he's helped train 3,000 companies on behalf of Tony Robbins. So he is like the sales titan. So he knows how to sell. So I interviewed him and I was asking him about this and he he said the one thing that people they try to do is they ask him what's the best way to close how do I close because people want to know how, how do we convert those sales and he was saying he doesn't use a closing line what he likes to do is if you don't have people at the beginning you won't have them at the end so you have to get people at the beginning and this is how he said and he said that influence to do that happens in an instant so, so this was his tip here. It's, it happens in an instant. Get them at the beginning and you will get them at the end. And the way he said to do that is he does with a pattern interrupt. Where when he starts a call, if you it's a phone call, instead of them expecting, hi, how are you? Everything's fine. Everything's good. You break that pattern. You have to break that by saying something. And he reckons humor is a great way that he used to do that. He'd tell some funny stories. Because then he's broke that pattern and he's got that. The people who like you, who are like you, he would get that them to like him. So he would get them. And then what he would do, he would then tell stories then to break any of their false beliefs. So right at the beginning, he would find out what they are. And for selling seminars, and it's probably a lot for people here selling programs, people say they don't have time, they don't have money. So he would have stories on how to overcome those. And he would do them in his presentation. And he would make sure he's broke those beliefs before it comes to the end. So you're not trying to close somebody at the end. He was, always says what he wanted when he makes his offer. They're already sold. And that's how you want your customers to be. You don't want to be at the end asking, the, trying to solve a lot of questions, trying to overcome objections. You should have dealt with them before. And with you, I don't know, obviously you make a lot of content as well. That could be done from the, the content that you make, the things you share online, you're sharing your stories, you're overcoming those beliefs that people are in, the things you're sharing like this, talking about people here. Yeah. But to never think about it's a closing, it's a closing line, I'm going to close you, you know, everything's about closing. But that should have happened before it comes to the sale, because you really want it to be that they want to work with you. Yeah. So that's the one thing I would say, make sure you've got them at the beginning, otherwise you won't get them at the end. And the other one there we need to sell is, is to talk about when we're selling is about 
people focus on the sales scripts that they think if I've got the right script, it will I can sell. But really, again, this is another one. I'm a great conversation with Brett, and I want to share what Brett said because, again, he's got so much valuable information there. He basically said as well, and this is kind of what I teach. So it was good for me because there was that kind of like confirmation from him that where he's coming from, from what I'm doing with female entrepreneurs, because it's quite different because men and women, we can tend to have different selling styles. And he was saying about it's all to do with 7% is what you say. So don't major on the minors. That's only 7% of your communication is what you say. That's the sales script. 93% of it is how you communicate. So it's that 38% of tone of voice 55 percent is your body language and it's that energy you bring mm-hmm. and the example he said because obviously he worked with tony robbins was about not tony robbins people don't always remember what he said but they remember the way he said it they remember the energy they remember that they want that transformation remember how it was delivered so yeah. it's all to do with that 93 percent on how we communicate so to not focus on a sales script now i obviously have sales scripts and i teach people scripts but what i do like an elevator pitch if you're going to talk about that it's how you say it how confident are you when you talk about it what's your 93 percent like what's your energy like do you believe what you're selling and it's like you're your first sale do you believe what you're saying and is it going to make a difference to somebody else but if you just followed a sales script and you didn't bring yourself or your energy, you didn't believe it, you're probably not going to have as much success as somebody else who had the same script, but put their own personality and they put their own way of presenting that. So it's those two things I would say. Yes, we need sales scripts. Yes, they work. Yes, they help go through a process because we have all these mental triggers in sales that people need to to go through to buy and we can guide them through that process. But it's not just the script. Make sure that it's bringing you and your energy. Yeah. Oh, there's so many golden nuggets in everything you just said. I feel like we could talk for another 40 minutes about all of that, but I completely, completely agree with you. And it's, it's what you said about the false beliefs, right? Fixing those false beliefs is huge. And that can be done even before you jump on a sales call with people, right? It can be done in your content. It can be done in the way you're talking to people through lives and through videos and even showing up confidently. I, I talk about that a lot to my coaching students as well. And in video marketing accelerator micro program is that, you know, to be on video, it's all about energy. If I was going to sit in front of a video and just be dull and boring and not really provide any value, it's not going to sell them on who I am, what my program can offer them, all of these things, right? So it's a trickle effect. It's not just one thing you do. It's all of the little things that you do together. And so I love, I love all those, those tips that you shared and, and uh, thank you for sharing them and sit and the summit that you talked about, let's talk about that for a second, because it's some amazing value. You interviewed some awesome people. You mentioned Brett as well. And, and we had an interview on there together, all about video and using video to bring in leads. So that was awesome. Tell people a little bit more about the summit and, and where they can find out more information about it. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously, you know, I love this summit speaking there. I spoke to obviously yourself, great expert there and everything you shared. So thank you. You know, your video is live now, which is great. So that's on there. So the whole goal, as I mentioned earlier, was to be able to get all those different pieces. As entrepreneurs, we know, you know, we've all got a different piece. You have a piece where you can help people, you know, with everything you teach on how to bring in those leads and how to create that content. That's going to work for you again and again and again. So that's one piece. I've mentioned Brett there who talks about sales. So if you want to learn more about sales, then obviously Brett, it's like a masterclass. Literally, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. But we also there, we talked about storytelling there. And I had April Purchase on there. And she talks about how to use storytelling to go from cold to close. 
And she shared her framework on how to craft these stories. And one of the things she was saying, because she deals with a lot of female clients as well, is a lot of time they don't believe they've got a story to tell. You don't believe that, you know, their story is going to make a difference. And she has a framework that takes you from how you craft your story. And she calls it like a mountain. You come up the mountain and you share it on the way down. And another way I've heard this is, is you don't, you know, you don't share the wound. You said, you, sorry, I said that the wrong way. You don't share the wound, you share the scar. So when you're feeling this agony, you're feeling the pain now, if you're going through something, this isn't the time to tell it. It's once it's then healed. So, yeah. so you're coming down the mountain that has then healed and now you've got a story to tell. So she helps people find where it is. So if you're in pain at the moment and you're struggling with something that might help somebody else. But really, one of the stories we tell is when we've solved those things, we've had our own transformation and we can turn around to people and say, hey, I've solved this. Let me help you. So she helps with that. How do you tell those stories? How do you craft those stories so you can get those sales? And she said it's people realizing where the story is and how to do it. And I mentioned about Brett. He said the same there. It's about breaking those false beliefs that people have. Mm -hmm. So we've got her who talks about the storytelling. And then I also did an interview with Ashley DeLuca, who talks about conversational email marketing, how to sell in your inbox. How can you do that with that conversational, which for me is something I do. Having I mentioned earlier about being in the police, and that's all about we communicate with people. Mm -hmm. and how we talk to people, how we build that rapport and how we can take them on this journey. And that's the same in sales. So we mentioned earlier about all my other careers and I feel every one of them has helped me where I am. Yeah. You know, the, the police definitely with rapport and sales is, it's, sales is just, it's people. That's the main thing. You remember, you, you're selling to somebody. Somebody's buying something because they want to feel something. It's a transformation. People buy to feel something. And that's the one thing I say. So we, we're trying to feel something here. So, so, you know, you've got to make sure you feel those emotions. Right. So a lot of these speakers help do that. And that's what Ashley was saying, that when she does with her conversational market, it's not transactional. You're building a relationship in the inbox. And she has, obviously, she has these great, you know, open rates. And she shared her framework on that. So that was just, that's, you know, so just some of the speakers have some people speaking on mindset as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, Sarah Wise came in and she's got this huge energy as well. And she told her story from five years ago being rock bottom to turning that round and now having two seven-figure businesses and a gold medal at this pickleball as well. So she's managed to change everything around. And she believes in that, um, the mindset and the having the keys to success. And she shares all of her strategies for that. So as we mentioned earlier, that mindset's a huge piece of this. Mm -hmm. Certainly with sales and being an entrepreneur online, making sure that you feel worthy of it, making sure you believe in yourself. So I had a, you know, a few people were sharing all these different strategies as well. And then paid traffic. So if somebody wanted to understand paid traffic, I had Alec Platt. And she talks about Facebook ads, Instagram ads. Then Alex Rivera, he came on, he talked about YouTube ads, had to do um, paid traffic as well. So it was really what the whole goal with the summit was to get these experts in. It had already had this piece that we all needed and get them to share the strategy. That's where I wanted to do. I wanted people to share the strategy. And as you, Melissa, we had a, a fabulous talk as well. And you shared yours as well. Yes. Yes. I love that there's people from every point of view too. So that no matter what strategy you use, if it's email, if it's YouTube ads, if it's YouTube itself or video, if you know, all of these pieces, you can take the little nuggets and make a strategy for yourself. So I love that you put this together and for everybody watching and listening, I will put the link to where to go sign up for the leads to sales summit below this video or below the, the recording on this podcast for you to check that out. It's free to check out the, the basic level as well. Right. And then you can pay to upgrade to the full, the full goodness. You can get all the juicy details from all the experts at the paid level. So 
definitely click the link and check that out. Um, we are almost at time here. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. This has been great. I love your energy and your storytelling. It's great. I love hearing all about how you got to where you are today. So tell us before we kind of end this chat here a little bit about what you're working on now and where people can learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, great. Thank you. Well, you know, firstly, it's a great honor to be here. It's fabulous. I love talking to you. Like you said, we could talk for hours. So many different stories here. We could talk to you. But yes, so obviously at the moment, at, we've got the Lease to Sales Summit live. So that's live at the moment. So you can go and get that ticket, as Melissa said. And then from that, I'm doing a small masterclass there. Where I'm just leading a few people through to go through to put together some of these strategies that obviously our experts have shared. I have my sales framework and to put those and the whole goal is to help people with that, to attract those leads and then convert those to sales. So I'll, so if you want to get in touch with me, I'll give you my website. So you can get hold of me at joevans.uk. And obviously I'm in the UK, so it's just J-O-E-V-A-N-S.uk. So you can find me there. And the other way to follow me is on my podcast. Come and follow me on my podcast. I talk about sales strategy, share the inside tips on there. And that's the Female Entrepreneurs Club. So follow me on that one just to get all the inside, because I'm often sharing a strategy. If something happens or I speak to a client, I'll share that like how to think about sales, why we need to be passionate. How do we get passionate? How do we find that passion in ourselves so we can get over that and share all these different stories on that? So, so yes, yeah, so I'm working on there. So there's my masterclass. You can follow me on the podcast. And then next year I'll have even more projects coming out because at the moment I just want to leave this small group through there, get all their takings, understand where they want to go with this and then come back with something else next year as well. But every all the details for that will be on my website amazing thank you and i'll make sure to put all those links below for people to check out as well so they know where to find you but thank you so so much for coming on this has been great and we will talk again soon i'm sure don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes also if you enjoyed this episode screenshot it share it on your social and tag me at wanderman creative I absolutely love seeing your guys' favorite takeaways from each episode. Finally, it would mean the world to me if you left me a five-star review. The more reviews I can get, the more people I can reach with this free content and help them scale their business. I hope you all have an amazing day and I'll catch you next time.